welcome, welcome, welcome to another, what we always say, fun-filled episode of AMB Sports Media, the podcast. My name is AJ. And I am Bill. And let's get right into it. Yes, we are going to start off as is tradition with today in sports history. Today is September 19th, and we're going to go all the way back to 1879, where Thomas Ray becomes the youngest to break a world track and field record. Pole vaulting 11 feet and two and a half inches at the age of 17 years and 198 days. Why did they write it like that? I don't know. That, that's a really weird way. Yeah, that was a weird way to do you it. You could just say months or something like that. Doesn't need that be that specific. And here we go again with tennis. In 1921, the U.S. National Championship men's tennis. Germantown, CC, Philadelphia. Bill Tilden successfully defends his title and beats Wallace F. Johnson. 6-1, 6-3, and 6-1. And guess what? In 1925, the U.S. National Champion uh, Men's Tennis in Forest Hills, New York, Bill Tilden wins again his sixth consecutive U.S. title, and he beats Bill Johnson. Just a stud. For the fourth straight year. Geez, that has to be very mind-fucky uh, mind after a while. Right. Just being getting beat up by another Bill. By the exact same name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beyond that, we're going to rush over and... Or I should have said speed on Damn it. Come on. So Formula One, we did have the Singapore Grand Prix that happened on Sunday. Shocking enough, guess what happened? Who? What happened? Max Who? did not win. Really? Nope. Uh, Carlos Sainz actually won. P1. Lando really? Norris in P2. Lewis Hamilton, P3. Leclerc in fourth. Verstappen in fifth. Huh. Uh, Perez all the way down in eighth. And where's my boy Alonzo? He was in 15th. A lot of cars did crash. George Russell, Valtteri Bodas, Esteban Alcon, and Yuki Sonoda. We're not surprised by Sonoda. Fun fact, I actually just learned about this. I got to figure out, there is a second airing of Formula One that is dedicated to kids. Kind of like how the NFL does Nickelodeon for the Super Bowl. Ooh, and I got, I got something from the NFL. Too. And the funny thing is, Yuki Sonoda, his microphone is muted at all times on the kids' broadcast with how much he fucking curses. Oh my god. It's hysterical. That's amazing. But the way, honest to god, I was looked at some of the video that it showed, and it looked a lot more interactive than what we see normally yeah. in the Formula One like broadcasting, so I'm about it. Um, this doesn't affect the Drivers' Cup or anything like that, so good for Carlos for winning. Props for Lando getting second to best. Um, and Lewis Hamilton's the one with the hairy chest. It's very best. Yeah. My very best. One ever was. But also, kind of yeah. going off of that uh, kids thing, the, the NFL's oh, doing right. For the, for the, it's so funny. I, I'm so excited for this absolute mess. But so they're doing a fully animated Toy Story version of the Falcons versus Jaguars game, meaning that everything that happens in the game is fully animated into Toy Story. That's incredible. If they pull this off, I will sing their praises for years. But I have a feeling it's going to be the worst thing ever, and I'm going to love every minute I of it. I hope somebody every, flips the bird. <laughs> every minute I of it. flips, air humps, all the most raunchy things that we can get. Raunchy, raunch. Absolutely. Um, so that's it on Formula One. We're keeping it short, sweet, and to the point today. I don't have much really to go on besides the Japanese Grand Prix. Coming up this weekend on Sunday, September 24th at 1, 1 a.m., Oh, I'm not watching this one live. Um, that's that's one in the morning, my friend. Ew. I can't do that. Oh, I can do that. Ah, that's tough. That's tough. Anyway, we're going to go on to the Union Soccer. Um, they did play against Cincinnati, the number one seed, and they tied 2-2. Two two. They both received red cards on that game, and they will be playing again tomorrow at 7.30 um, p.m. Eastern Standard Time against Charlotte. 
regarding their standings right now. They still are in fourth uh, with a total of 47 points. Uh, New England has 48, and Columbus and Boulogne with 45. So we have a two-goal uh, differential between fourth and fifth. That's great. We still have a chance to at least get into third and potentially fight for second. Cincinnati's still too far ahead with 58. Moving on from there, hockey is actually coming back soon. We're not getting ready to talk about it just yet because – Preseason is actually starting to follow in the next week as well, on the 24th, I believe. Um, I'm double-checking that as I lost my scheduling because you just moved me. Stupid. Uh, yeah, the 24th or the 25th for the Flyers to start back up. I will start recovering the Flyers and their, all their lovely, lovely losses that come along until they disappoint me to no end. Uh, lastly, we're going to get into our UFC tonight, uh, UFC from this weekend and the next week. Uh, we had UFC Noche, uh, which was Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko 2. This was at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada on Saturday, September 16th at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It was a pretty good card. Um, it was a free title fight, um, and I have a feeling that based off the commentators on what they were saying, they're probably going to turn this fight night, uh, the UFC Noche, where they have most of their Mexican fighters come out, become a pay-per-view event. Okay. Um, it was kind of BS when they said that, but hey, I'm all about it. I'm um, just going to give some quick props to Charlie Campbell for performance of the night, uh, Roman Koplov, and Lupe Gonzalez, or uh, oh, sorry, Lupe Godinez, I'm sorry, wrong one, uh, performance of the night to all three of them. And now we're going to just jump right into the main card. Mama's name is Lupe? Lupe. Her name awesome. is Hey, she was good. She fucking threw. She's a wrestler. Loopy straight up picked her, this girl up. Poor Elise Reed picked her up, slammed her ass on the ground, and then beat oh, the yeah. shit out it of her. It wasn't. It was minus four forty odds. Yeah, it wasn't even close. It was. It was via sub by the end. Props to Loopy. It was funny though because DC, who's a big wrestler, that one of the commentators, yeah, lost his shit when she slammed him. Really? Because he was like, oh. She's doing moves I know. <laughs> but we're going to move right on into the top three of the main card. First and foremost, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Terrence Mitchell. Um, T- Raul Rosas Jr. is currently the youngest active fighter on the UFC's roster. And he is definitely going to be somebody to watch. That man came out not with... Um, that man, I'm sorry. That man came out with just straight, raw anger he looked pissed he looked ready and he was ready to go die in the cage luckily he didn't really need to do that because it took him only 54 seconds to win via knockout and i'm sorry for terrence mitchell who said during his whole um interview that he's not going to be a stepping stone not going to do all this or that you got knocked the fuck out because he got flash ko'd too really so he got hit when um Raul did basically like a check, not a check hook. He, Terrence was moving to the side, so when he threw the hook, he turned with it, so the hook hit. Terrence straight up flew in the air, flash knocked out until he hit the ground, woke back up, and then continued to get beat on. Jesus. And when he walked off, though, Raul Rosas, I've never, that was not like a war cry. That was just straight anger and frustration he just released. Like it was just a demon coming out of his mouth, just, oh! So, good for Raul. Good for him. All right, moving on to the welterweight bout that I was very excited to watch. Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Maddalena. It was a very good fight, a little back and forth, a lot of striking. 
Uh, went all three rounds. It was a split decision to Jack Bell and Madalena. I mean, when it comes to total strikes, though, over the full fight, Kevin ha- did have more and more significant strikes. So, tough split decision there. Um, overall, I'm not mad at who won. Both were very close and evenly matched, so I'm not going to be too mad at that decision. However, moving on to the third and main fight, Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. This is interesting. Um, this went all five rounds. It went to the decisions, and it was considered a, a draw. Hmm. So, for the most part, all the rounds besides the fifth round were judged pretty accurately. However, there was a 10-8 round given out for, I believe it was Alexa Grasso, um, and that fucked up everything to cause the draw to happen. Um, so, with that being said, that was the, I'm sorry, the Nevada State Athletic Commission actually did a special 10-8 training session for all licensed judges because of that car, because yeah. of that fight, because it was a championship fight. Yeah. It caused all this hell. That's kind of crazy, actually. Yeah. It was something, it was something to see. Um, I can't believe it, honestly, um, but it happens. I mean... I'm noticing too. So yeah, it was that. So uh, what's? Oh, here we go. I got the I got the scorecards up. Let that, me look well, at this one Valentina, more time. Okay, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it. Chef Chanko. Yeah, she she had a lot of takedowns. She did. So just to read it out, it looks like from way the way the cards were reading, that for two of the judges, each went one way. Alexa and Valentina, they gave Valentina for the most part rounds one and round three. Round, um, and then peep, they also, one of the, two of the judges gave her round four, so that's three out of the five. Yeah. However, on the one judge that scored at 47-47, Mike Bell, he gave her that 10-8 in the last round, which caused his card to be 47-47, causing that draw to happen. That's why they're freaking the fuck out, though, because why did they deserve a 10-8 when the other two judges called it 10-9. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. The other problem that we have, and I'm going to go on a small rant about this, is the point, the way the judging is for the UFC is not based off mixed martial arts. It's based off boxing. It's hmm. a 10-point system that was found, um, that was basically adopted from one to the other. They just included all the strikes, the control time, takedowns, everything, into that 10-point system. But this is where we see those issues arise where... How can you determine all that just out of 10 points? Yeah. So that's going to be, hopefully that meeting does take care of some shit because we can't have this again. The good news is it's such a good fight that we could see this a third time and nobody would care. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, it'll definitely be a co-main on something, though. It's not going to be a main card again. How do you, how do you train judges on 10 eights? I don't know, and I'm actually, I wanted to tell you this, too. I'm slowly, I mean, I've been looking into it daily. I'm trying to look into finding a way to get my MMA referee license. Ooh. It's not something I've, like, delved into too much yet, but it's something I've always wanted to do because I've always been passionate about the sport. I have trained, albeit never as much as to actually get into a fight, so I'm not saying I'm good at it. But it's something that I've always been passionate about, and I think it would be fun to be able to do and also help improve the sport if I can. 100%. Um, and you would rig our fights. So. Yes, I would. 
um, our fight, nobody else's. But yeah. overall, I want to see what I can do. I just need to reach out to the right people about it, and that's so far I haven't had any luck. So if anyone does know for whatever reason, let me know. Um, beyond that, though, out of that card, we're going to go into next week's card. It's another fight night. Just a note, we are not going to have a pay-per-view event, I believe, until October uh, 21st. Every other fight in between them will be a, a fight night card. You can watch them on ESPN+. Plus. So what, what, what is the difference between a fight night and a pay-per-view? Simple. Fight night cards usually do not have a championship bout on them. Okay. Normally. The UFC Noche was one of the few that did. I hate to say it. Um, it may be because some of those fights may not be as well, like, not as popular, but they may not want to put a champ, make a fight. Eh, trying to say it nicely, but sometimes the fights may not be interesting. Yeah. Although this one was, so I'm not saying anything against it. But well, sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, a good example is Rose. Hate to say it. Mm. Anyway. UFC Fight Night, Faziz versus Garmont. This is going to be Saturday the 23rd at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time at the UFC Apex. I'm just going to focus really on the top three. Um, I really, I know, actually, I'm sorry, there's one more. Um, in the prelims, in the heavyweight division, you have Muhammad Usman versus Jay Collar. Do you know who Muhammad Usman is? Is it Usman's cousin? Nope, brother. Brother. That's his brother. And he's a heavyweight, and he's thick. He is, he is he's a thick. big boy. I think they're giving him a layup with Jake, but we'll see how that Holy goes. Shit, that's yeah, he scary. a big dude. He a big dude. He's had it up. I'm trying to find how tall and everything is. Uh, I don't know. No, it, it, I got you. No, I got it. It's right here. He's 6'2", and he's 239. 79-inch reach. Yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he dangerous. He's strong. He is strong. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Good luck, Usman, because he needs to keep wins. Eventually, he may fight one of the junior Justin Toppers. That would be good. Uh, Tim Means, you're on this card. Way to go. Uh, beyond that, moving on to the main card, I'm just going to focus on the first one, the featherweight bout, Charles Jordan versus Ricardo Ramos. I've always been a big fan of Charles Jordan ever since I started watching UFC. Um, he's currently 14-6-1. Ramos is 16-4, and both coming off wins. Um... Charles is a great striker. He has eight wins by knockout, four first-round finishes, and four submissions. Um, he has beaten uh, Shane Burgos, which is actually a very good uh, accomplishment, but then he did lose to Nathaniel Wood. So, overall, he lost his rankings in the UFC, uh, in the featherweight division, and he's trying to get himself back up there. I would take Charles Jourdain by submission, if possible. Um... Moving on right from there, we're just going to go into the top two, the co-main and the main. In the featherweights again, number 10, Bryce Mitchell versus number 12, Dan 50K IG, or Ige. I know how to say that one, Ige. Wow. Bryce Mitchell is one of my favorite hick fighters that there are because he's straight out of, I think it's Alabama or Arkansas. Um, he is a straight old hick, and I love it. Um, the best part about him, though, is his uh, trunks. He is the only fighter that has camo-styled trunks in the UFC. Nobody else does. Huh. Yep. Um, and that was a important request because he wouldn't start fighting without that. So. Really? Yep. Um, he actually trains mostly by himself, too, which also gives him an impressive 15-2 and two record, um, whereas Dan is at 17-6. and six. Brian is... Oh, sorry, not Brian. Bryce is coming off a loss after Ilya Teporia, and now he's going to be fighting Dan 50K Ige. 
Dan is a highlight reel, hence his nickname, 50K. Usually when he fights, he gets that money. Uh, he is currently on a two-fight win streak, um, knocking out uh, Jackson and then uh, unanimous decision against Landwer. So, overall, I think it's going to be a good fight. It really depends on Brian, or Brian, goddammit. Bryce is mental. He does have a great ground game, too, so that could happen. But um, if anything, I'd say Bryce by submission or Dan by knockout. I don't know which one, though. Last but not least, lightweight division, the main event. Rafael Fazeev's ranked 6 versus Matus Garmont, uh, ranked 7. This should be an interesting one because Fazeev is currently on a one-loss fight after losing to Justin Gaethje for the title eliminator. Um... And now, uh, Garmont is also on a loss as well, if I remember correctly. Um, unless he hasn't fought yet in 2022. There's no way. He no, no, he did. I don't know. I always hate when they show this where they don't show you what the fight was. It's not user-friendly. It isn't. It really isn't. I got to see if this one got canceled or whatnot. It may have. But it looks like... Okay, Matez won. All right. He won via decision. God damn it. That was annoying. Anyway, uh, both incredible fighters. Um, Rafael has an incredible Muay Thai style. Garmont has incredible wrestling, so we're going to have to see the takedown defensive conceived. Overall, I think by decision, I'm going to take Rafael. And I'm just going to leave it short, sweet, and to the point. That is it regarding the UFC. And now we are going to get into some football. Some football. Football. Because we had, we had a fun, we fun, did. fun, fun week of football. That um, we I did. Do, before we actually get into anything, I want to bring this up. So the the front runner for current – it's only been two weeks, but the front yeah. runner for MVP of the regular season is has been Tua. Okay. Tua Tagovailoa. And I was looking, and I was like, I realistically can't think of a QB right now that, like, normally within, like, the first few weeks you kind of start seeing things. Yeah. Outside of – Actually, I was looking through this, but like, there's not, there really hasn't been anyone that I've been like, holy crap, that's an MVP level. Yeah, no, I was going to say, right not even like our own quarterback. Like, no, Hertz, is, Hertz looks rusty, Allen looks rusty, Mahomes looks rusty, Lawrence looks rusty, Burrow's hurt. Lamar Jackson's been looking pretty good. Like, it's, it's crazy. And I was looking at the QBs, and outside of two, I would have to say, honestly, the rookie, uh, Anthony Richardson's been looking really good um, right before he got his uh, concussion. Honestly, Mac Jones has been looking kind of good too. Jared Goff, and then I would even throw in Baker Mayfield there. Yeah. It's been like I would not have expected to say any of those names once we started this season. Yeah, very so true. So it's just it's that kind of leads into you know the whole season. It's, it's been a weird ass season, um, but thankfully the Eagles are two and zero. Yes, they are. They're two and zero, but they are they are. And we uh, saw that game. They are a shaky two and zero. They are. Um, yeah, we went to that game and. Good time. Something, something that I want to bring up too is that like live games are, you start seeing how much quicker the games are. They are, yeah. I've been to multiple and I've played football, but I always forget how fast it is. Yeah, game moves quick. Like there, you can see like pretty much the split second decisions you need to make, especially as a QB. The true reaction time. The true reaction. You see, like majority of the game, my grandpa was like, "Well, what, what was Hurts doing all this time? Like, what, what was happening?" I was Funny. like, "I was like, if you when you you're when you're at the game, you realize how." much like people are draped over each other yeah like the only time you can throw is like that split second decision and if you don't have the perfect pocket to throw it it's 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 crazy it is um it was just crazy to see how like how for running backs how quickly holes close up which we'll get to that in a second mm -hmm. like yeah the margin of error on timing of throws like 
it was nuts. But with that being said, Derek Swift did, or not Derek's. I know I I know why I said Derek, but DeAndre Swift was a monster. That he man was. ran on 28 carries, 175 yards, and a touchdown. Damn. And I said Derek because he has him, and I'm pissed off about it. Um, not, but, yeah, so the annoying part is it's, it, it's so I, I literally just saw this on, on Twitter, is that even with DeAndre Swift popping off, they're still going to go with the committee back when Kenny Gamble is, like, yeah. fully recovered and stuff like that, and they're really just going to ride the hot hand. Um, and listen, I, I'm all for that, but you just had DeAndre Swift go for an absurd amount of yards. You are like, you're, every year the Eagles keep forgetting that we're a running team. Every year. Even though last year, now we have, you know, A.J. Brown, we have um, uh, Devontae Smith. Like, realistically, our whole thing is we'll, we'll beat you into the dirt and we'll, we'll show you that we're better. And that's, yeah. that's what running does. And it took us a while in, that, in the game against the Vikings it to did. realize that. Um, but I need them to start utilizing DeAndre Swift more. I biasly want them to use uh, Rashad Penny more. Um, I had actually I haven't seen what what's up with Boston Scott. I don't know if he's still in concussion protocol or I don't, what have you. He played, but um, and Kenny Gainwell, he's not he's not fully out, but he's not fully in of this game coming up for Monday, so he still has some time. But on the other side of the ball, the Vikings offense looked a lot more creative and yeah. comfortable even with all the pressure that you had than the Eagles and that's true that was very evident when we were at the game um, they would make they made a lot, lot of design plays where Justin Jefferson was, was on a mismatch with like a linebacker or mm-hmm. um, a backup CB and stuff like that and yeah he, he fought Darius Slay he definitely did better than he did last year um, but it was like clear as day what like not what they were doing, but once the play, once the ball was snapped, you're like, oh wow, that's a very well designed play. They got Justin Jefferson wide open, and it led to him going um, 11 receptions on on 13 targets, with 159 yards. Now, it was kind of a big play because it kind of did shift the whole momentum. It was a touchback that almost was a touchdown. Right, that was huge. I remember at the game, everyone was freaking out because it was clear as day that touchback. Yeah, clear as day. And the refs didn't want to call it. It was just it was the same with that uh, AJ Brown missed uh, pass interference. Right. Like, I thought you know maybe being at the game, seeing certain penalties, like you'd be like, oh, okay. From their point of view, I get it. But it was like, no, I actually saw it more clear <laughs> when I was at that game. But the offense um, for the Eagles started getting into the rhythm. Now they're starting to do more pass, um, more vertical plays which we need them to do, stop doing horizontal slants and stuff like that, um, really commit to the run, all that fun stuff. Um, so hopefully the Eagles come Monday, which we'll, we'll get back to in a second too for that, um, can kind of get a little bit more creative with their play calling. I agree. However, Uh-oh. we have to talk about the big thing in the room. What's the big thing in the Jake room? Jake Elliott Schlong. <laughs> do we want to bring it up, Bill? I mean, he went two for three in field goals. Not that happy about that one miss because I thought he made it uh-huh. and I was losing my shit. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> but. Um, I'm saying the story. So oh, that's it. Go ahead. No, what was I was going to talk about the better kick that he made, though, at 61 yards. That was crazy. Um, And it was a fantastically long field goal. Is that the one that hit off the pole or is that another one? No, that was the other game. Yeah, okay. Nothing hit off the pole in this game. Uh, 
Oh, that was the other game? Oh, okay. But yeah, 61 yards for Jake Elliott. That was a massive kick. He has the leg. We love it to death. AJ, you can make fun of him. He's automatic whenever it's like over 50. But no, he actually missed one this game. Well, this this one, but it was it was there's a a pure reason for it. So so Billy is a well-renowned Jake Elliott fan. His team on fantasy is Jake Elliott Fan Club. It is. And he wears his Jake Elliott uh, jersey to every game. Every single game. So when we were at the game, the very first field goal, the very first one, he was. He turns around and says, Jake Elliott's my boy. He's going to make this. But he's fuck, he's just, he just hung as, a, hung as a horse. All this fun stuff. He kicks it. It, from our angle, we couldn't tell it went through, but it didn't matter. Billy was celebrating regardless, and I'm staring at the refs. I'm like, uh oh, this might not have went through. And I saw, <laughs> and I saw no good. And it doesn't matter to Bill because he's already turned around with his jersey flailed up in the sky, like Jake Gillett's my boy. And the whole, <laughs> the whole place around us turned to them and was like, "You're a fucking idiot!" And all started putting in laughing. Yep. But you know what? As the next, <laughs> the next field goal. Everyone turned and was like, you don't say a goddamn word right now. And I now. did it, and he did, and he and made it, it. And it hit, but it was just so funny. That Bill was freaking out so badly. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh, that was funny. But on that note, we'll, too, we'll, we'll move into the Sunday slate of games, um, which were extremely fun. I'll, I'll start with the Seahawks versus Detroit, because um, that was that – was, it was looking like Detroit was slowly losing this game pretty um, pretty handily. Uh, yeah. Seahawks were, were starting to get up ahead of, of things and stuff like that. Um, but just like in football, um, you pretty much you can't let it you can't you got to go by through the. Uh, it, I can't. I'm just so excited for this game. It's so good, and I need to talk about this penalty too because the penalty kind of decided it, in my opinion. Um, so pretty much the Seahawks and the, the Detroit ended up getting a very close game. Geno Smith made some really, really, really dumb decisions. Uh, one of them being um, pretty much he was, he was, it was third and long, and he just, he, he couldn't have taken a sack realistically, or all he had to do was kind of throw it away, yeah. and the punt would have been easier. Um, instead, he avoids a sack, and instead of throwing it away, tucks the ball under his arm and just starts running around like it, he, he pretty much ran all the way to his own four yard line mm-hmm. and got sacked and oh i remember God. i was watching this with my friend uh alex and we were just like what the fuck did he just do like what, what, what was the point of that there was no point just throw it away and that led them to getting um almost losing the game it ended up going into overtime seahawks got the ball first uh, Seahawks were, were driving down the field, driving down the field, driving down the field. And then this is where a controversy happened, Bill. Oh, okay. So they were driving down the field, and it was the last play of the game. Obviously, this is the one that won them the game. But Ike called the ball. He rolls out. And immediately you saw an O-lineman, like, hold, like, like choke-holding the guy. Like, you, uh, you know, like, the, the blatant, the blatant yeah. ones where he's holding yeah, his hand up? It was, it was that blatant, yeah. which led to him finding Tyler Lockett touchdown game's over now it wasn't like a pass interference type but that's a he was right there right in front of him all he, he, did, he should have blew it exactly and that that kind of put a little stinker on the game on a very very v- good game um but outside of that David Montgomery was actually pretty much the lead back where a lot of people thought it was going to be Jameer Gibbs right um but David Montgomery went out he's, he's now day-to-day yeah um, people expected, you know, Gibbs to kind of pick up the load, being a, a first-round pick for Detroit. 
And that wasn't the case. Craig Reynolds came in and kind of took over the Dave Montgomery role. So that's leaving a lot of like fantasy implications here. Yeah. And I was very confused on why they did that. Because Jameer Gibbs, you, you drafted him first round. He was the second running back off the board of the whole draft. And when it comes down, when your main running back kind of gets hurt, and they said this before the game too, they were like, hey, he's going to be getting more touches and stuff like that. Um, they kind of didn't go with that, and it just it confuses me, which we'll get into waiver wire talks later, later down the line, which is this will affect, but it just it, did, it, it made no sense to me. Um, so the reason I brought up that other, other play – uh, that penalty towards the end was because it happened a few times throughout this week. One of them being the Broncos versus Washington, which that was a fun game too. The exact same thing happened. Broncos were up. Um, Washington wasn't looking too good. Washington came all the way back. But instead of, uh, you know, Broncos holding off like the Seahawks did, um, Broncos ended up not holding off. But they had this crazy play. It was, lot, it was like one of those Hail Marys. All, they threw, I think it was like a 50-yard bomb. And it was tipped up and then caught by a Broncos. Everyone oh, was wow. freaking out. And they had to score a um, two-point conversion to, yeah. to tie the game and go into overtime. Well, the play happened. Russell Wilson throws to Cortland Sutton. And it was like the guy was draped. It was a clear pass interference. Yeah. Like every, even the announcers were like, that, That's what just happened? Yeah. And the game ended and they lost. They couldn't count or review it? Or no. they just didn't want to? No, you, you can't review a penalty that hasn't been called or a penalty at all. That's a bull. And that was that was um, uh, a few years ago. They tried reviewing penalties or, or stuff like that, um, and the, the the refs had this huge boycott. Where like anytime because they want to be right. Anytime it was reviewed, then they would just keep the same call. Yeah. And it was constant. Like it was it was well known. It's like all right, well you guys are just fucking this up again. Yep. Like it's it's just so stupid. But angels in their ears. Yeah. But um, moving on to the next game. I so it was um. This game was a battle of kind of like he's Jordan Love isn't a rookie, but he's finally this is his first year leading the team, mm-hmm. and it was a battle between him and Desmond Ritter. It was Green Bay versus Falcons, and that was a fun game. Uh, Falcons fought their way back to win it, um, but Jordan Love, even though he didn't get the job done, he for two games in a row, you know, for finally leading this Green Bay Packers team, where a lot of people thought he was going to fail. He's thrown three touchdowns and no interceptions for two games in a row, which is very impressive. Yeah, no, that's real Especially good. against the Falcons him. defense where they're 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 a pretty decent team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was once the witching hour happens, which is around three fifteen, game games just start kind of getting crazy. And it was the third game in a row where Green Bay was heavily winning. Falcons came back and won it. So um in that game too, there was a, a controversial call. Really? Yeah. So Matt Collins Caught a touchdown in the in the end zone. He caught it, tiptoed, fell back, and everyone's like, oh, that's a touchdown. Yeah. There's this weird-ass rule that everyone thought was really dumb. That he was, instead of, like, he caught it and his tiptoes were on, like, facing the fans. Oh, his, my God. His toes were facing pretty much the QB, meaning that his heels were out of bounds. Uh, Apparently, your heels have to be in bounds if you want to catch it like that. So even though he tiptoed, he got in because his heels were out of yeah. bounds. That didn't count. Wow, I didn't even ever think of that rule. That, that was the opposite way. No one did, but everyone was. Everyone thought that was one of the dumbest rules, and ultimately they still won. But it yeah. was like one of those things where it's like, wow, this 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 game and the refs are kind of uh, yeah, kind of stupid a little bit. 
Um, moving on to the next game, the Chiefs just, their offense looks terrible. Yeah. So it was the Chiefs versus um, the Jags, and the Jags didn't look that great either. Even though Trevor Lawrence looks extremely, like, he actually looks really good. It's just the offense cannot keep it together. Um, but it's it's so intriguing. Like, obviously, with Andy Reid, the Chiefs the past few years, they've been a very pass-happy offense. Um, that's Which who leads they, to an interception. That's who they've been. Um, it also leads to Mahomes just leading the league in yards and touchdowns. So it's 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 always worked. But in this game, it it confused me because you have Isaiah Pacheco, who in this game he uh, he ran twelve carries, um, and he was averaging five point eight three yards per carry, which is which is crazy to me. And on on through two two games, he's averaged four point six five yards per carry, but he only got twelve carries. And that's that's not enough, especially yeah. if like, yeah, they won the game, but it was seventeen nine. And people that like watch football and, and fantasy guys understand that seventeen nine is a very low scoring game, it especially is. for a very explosive offense like the Chiefs. Which, speaking of which, if you notice, they only scored nine for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. That was only three field goals. They yep. did not score a single touchdown. So, so there, this is what happened too. Um, in that game, Jacksonville should have really had three touchdowns. Really. So their their wide receivers just couldn't like pretty much. It was like one of those ones where it was like they had to make really nice plays. Yeah. Like tiptoe and stuff like that, and it was just, it was just funny that like it was three touchdowns they got called back because the wide receivers couldn't pull through, and it was three different guys too. It was Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, and I think it was Christian Kirk. Um, I forget if it was him or not, but they probably should have won that game. Probably. But it, you know what? Sometimes you just can't. Your your guys just can't pull through. Even the people that you know normally do. It's just one of those days. Yeah. Um, moving on to Baltimore, the so that's why I was I was when we were looking at the MVP odds, I was thinking Lamar Jackson if he keeps playing like this, he's he's got a quiet bid to the MVP because he's been playing really well, especially coming off of injury and especially yeah. what Baltimore looked like last year. Two hundred thirty-seven passing yards. Yeah, and he had two two touchdowns. Uh, looked really good. The offense looked fun as heck, and um, the new rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers. He's him. Like, he's a stud. Like, he's so fun to watch. He's explosive. He's going to be their wide receiver one for years to come. Oh, yeah. Um, o- Odell Beckham looked really good, too. Like, he definitely didn't look like um, even his Ram self, but he, he he was holding his own. Um, but, you know, that's it, father time gets everybody. Yeah. I think he got uh, hurt. Odell Beckham? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if it was. It wasn't too significant because not a lot of people have been yeah. really, like, Talking about and stuff like that. I don't think he really is, though. I'm gonna double check because he's on my fantasy. There you go. Um, but I'll move on. I'll, I'll stay in the division too. The the Bengals also look terrible. They just look absolutely they horrendous. Um, Joe Burrow. I'm pretty sure, and it's this is kind of going on to more news later on. But Joe Burrow just he he had a calf injury early in the preseason, got carted off, but he was fine. I don't think he's fully healthy. I don't think he's fully comfortable. Um, through two games, through two games, he's only thrown 304 yards and two touchdowns, both of who, both of which are to Higgins. Which this team is also a high-powered offense. Excuse me. So it's really weird to see that. Um, he also has an interception, so he's just not the Joe Burrow of old. We, we know. Um, I think he, the calf injury is really holding him back. Yeah. And with that calf injury, his, his availability is now up in the air because he was he was hurting. He was hurting. So his availability is up in the air uh, for next week. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. 
Herbie, though, Herbie's been playing pretty well. This man threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Their defense sacked Ryan Tannehill five times, and they kept Derrick Henry under 100 rushing yards. They didn't win the game. Really? They did not win the game. What the hell? The Chargers are the only – so they, they faced the Titans. And I, I was trying to find another stat. It was like Tannehill has a thrown over, I think it was like 225 yards. Don't quote yeah. me on that. In like the past eight games. Well, in this one he did. Yeah. And the Chargers are the only team in NFL history to start 0-2 despite scoring 50 points and no turnovers. That's incredible. That is nuts. And, and aggression. And their oh, their uh, their their head coach is under a lot of scrutiny because he's technically supposed to be the, the defensive mind, and their defense has just been completely shitting. And Herbert just cannot catch a break. Like normally, you don't have to throw three hundred yards with three like two touchdowns to win a game, especially yeah. like the last game they played. He didn't. I think he threw like two hundred um, and a few touchdowns, and then their rushing game at two hundred thirty-five yards and like a few touchdowns. But then they faced Miami, and you saw what happened there. That we did. Um, moving on from that, fuck Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. Fuck Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> the, the Cardinals were up 20-0 at half. 20-0 against the Giants, who literally just got beat down 40-0. The Giants were look, look defeated. Like, at the half, it was over. Like, we all thought it was over. They looked, oh, yeah. They made Joshua Dobbs, who is in his 30s and hasn't started anywhere, look like Cam Newton in his prime. It was great. Like, I saw, I forget who the safety was, but he got run over by Joshua Dobbs. I thought this game was over. But it wasn't. They couldn't score it any wasn't. points in the fourth quarter. In the, no, it, front, in the back half, they scored 31 points, the Giants. I know. The back in half. The third, and then 17 in the. This uh, is Jonathan fourth. Gannon, another defensive minded player who was trying to figure out contracts instead of figuring out a game plan for the Chiefs. Still pissed off about that. Um, but, yeah, the, the whole game, everyone was just saying, fuck Jonathan Gannon. Thank yeah, God. Like, it was the Giants, but, like, good job, Giants. Yeah, geez, um, nice moving on to, to the to the Bucks game, Baker Mayfield looks fantastic. Yes. He really has, dude. Like, he came into this, and we didn't – no one really expected him to do a lot, um, especially with he, – he went into this with the QB battle. Yeah. Um, beat out Trask. Everyone was like, "Well, that's kind of weird because we already we've seen Mayfield. He's he's played multiple times and 317 yards passing wise. Uh, yep, and One uh, TD. through two games though, he's played 400 not or he's, he's thrown 490 yards and three touchdowns, not which, bad. which is pretty good, especially for someone who had low expectations. And Mike Evans' last game was on friggin' fire. He had six receptions, eight on um, eight targets, 171 yards and a touchdown. This, wow. this man is is. 30 plus, and he's still one of the still best big body receivers in the game. And it's that's he's that rejuvenation's been kind of cool to watch. Yeah, no, um, that's impressive. Moving on to the Dolphins, though. The Dolphins against the Patriots were a little shaky. I'll be honest, too. I kind of did take a, a, a good nappy poo because I was exhausted. Um, but even when I was watching like the highlights and stuff like that, even I woke up around the half, too, and started watching a little bit more. Um, he just, they look shaky, but you know what? They got it done. They, they persevered. I know two or three interception. Yep, one interception. Really, it was a really bad one. Um, but thankfully, they, they held off. Mac Jones, honestly, has been looking pretty good, too. Like, he, he, he faced an uh, Eagles defense, who 
was going at him, and he's not a mobile QB, but he he fought his way back. He made me sweat a little bit, and even in this game, he's he's kind of looked pretty good. So hopefully they can get him a wide receiver one, and he can actually start doing stuff with him. Yeah. But I I, I highly doubt it. Um, Saints and Panthers game, extremely mid. I it was so bo- it was so the only reason I watched it is because I was in my fantasy um, league for uh, the dynasty. I was facing Mikey. Oh, he had Miles Sanders okay. on the Panthers, and guess what? Two and zero, baby, against Mikey. But I go. got a big week this week because I'm facing um, our our boy Chuck in, in Dynasty, who's the biggest shit talker. Fantastic individual, biggest shit talker. So we we started talking shit already. But I'm facing him in that league, and in our league, I'm facing the Cherry Hill alumni of John Hoblock and Derek uh, McIntosh. So. Okay. It's going to be a stressful week, to say the least. Um, but the Browns and Steelers was a fight. That was a fun game to go it into. It was. It was actually fun to watch from beginning to end. It was. Un- for the most part. For the most part, outside of, unfortunately, Nick Chubb. Losing his leg. Yeah, that, that man uh, dislocated his knee, tearing ligaments, and he's he actually went through surgery now, and he'll be out for the rest of the season. But this is a also a career-concerning injury as that, well. That could be it, because that was his leg that got injured before. Yep, um, um, pretty much that's what he tore. I think it was MCL and ACL. Yeah. Um, ripped it up, and that, what that too, was almost a career-defining, like, ending yeah. injury. Yeah, so hopefully and now, he gets to get back twice, but that's tough. That's tough, because he's, he's a generational talent, he too. Is. Like, he's so fun to watch, and apparently he's such, he, um, through reports, he's been, like, a really good, like, just a really cool dude, too. Like, he's yeah. always... Head to the ground, doesn't talk too much. He's not really like boastful, so it it, it sucks that it happens to yeah. to someone like that. But thankfully, they had someone to step up for him in Jerome Ford, who's going to be a huge waiver wire pickup moving yeah, forward. That's going to be big. Yeah, he uh he stepped up. He went 16 rushes on 106 uh, for 106 yards. Yep. The big one was a 61 yard rush that looked like a pop pointer play. Oh my god, yeah. Where I saw he started that. one end, ran all the all way around, around, just broke off. Oh, dude, that was that was such a. Fun that was the one where he was almost in the uh, end zone, though. Like he yep. just missed. And I'm, by I'm a pretty second. confident Deshaun Watson actually laid a block. He would have scored think, a touchdown. Yeah. It, was, it was the same guy that Deshaun Watson was the, supposed to block. I gotta say, Deshaun Watson towards the end of the game though looked terrible. I love every second of it. I love it. I I, I genuinely despise that man. That's fine. You can despise him at genuinely the same time. He was terrible. Him. No, that's what I mean. I know. He, he looked really off, and it he was really he was a lot missing of, a lot of throws. Like some like some Easy. crucial throws yeah. too. Like th- those decided the game. They did because Kenny he literally Pitt, lost the game. Because Kenny, yeah, he actually said that too. He was like, "That was my fault." But Kenny yeah, Pickett didn't look that good either. No. So it was like two pretty ass QBs going against like yeah. some stud like. Athletes in George Pickens, like mm-hmm. now Jerome Ford. Uh, hey, it was JJ Watt got a scoop and score too. And he's now not JJ Watt, TJ Watt. TJ Watt, I'm sorry. TJ Watt is now officially the Steelers' all-time uh, sack record holder after that game. Really? Yep. Huh, how about that? So that was pretty cool. And and him and the Steelers' defense and Pickens really willed a win into existence because Pickett just was not helping him out oh, at yeah. all. They're um, lucky Watson decided to shit the bed. Yeah, for real. Well, honestly, the Steelers' defense is disgustingly good. Like, don't the only I was just more confused with how they played um, against the 49ers because yeah, the 49ers are good, good, but yeah. the Steelers' defense is good. No, I agree. Um, now, getting into some some news real quick before we get into the to games for next week. Uh, Cam Akers is on the trade block. He was with the Rams. He was touted as the guy going into the season, and immediately. No snap share. Uh, Kyron Williams, who's another wa- waiver uh, wire pickup, um, he kind of took took hold. 
And now the Rams are saying that they're he's on the trade block. They're already getting calls from teams like the Ravens, the Browns, the Bucks. So interested to see where he goes. I have him, so I'll be monitoring this very closely. Um, and also, Kareem Hunt is visiting the Browns. So, well, he's he, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he left, but he's already visiting the Browns. Um, also, two here. Um, so, Jesse Morse, MD, uh, talking about Nick Chubb's left knee injury and the range of possibilities is kind of huge. If it's MCL alone, which is very unrealistic, um, that's the least severe. The least severe. Uh, second, second most severe, MCL plus ACL plus meniscus, and he goes down the line. He said most likely is number four, which is knee dislocation with multiple ligament tear. Um, can also have a vascular injury, which would be uh, very scary because um, if the artery that runs behind the knee is torn, that could be limb-threatening. I haven't heard anything about that yet. So, That's terrifying. So luckily, I don't think so, but... He said possibilities range from missing six games, which is the best case scenario, which is already that's called out, yeah. to season ending to possibly career ending. That's so a shame. that is very that's very sad for him. Um, I'm really hoping it's only just season ending and he comes back next year. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, after two weeks of football, <laughs> the QB number one is Kirk Cousins, and then Jordan Love's QB number two. And uh, uh, yeah. Oh. After two weeks of football. Didn't expect that. Actually, too, Kirk Cousins is currently on pace to put up the best season an NFL QB has ever seen. Cousins is currently on pace for 6,018 passing yards, which would be almost <laughs> all time by 541 yards. He's on pace for 554 completions, which would be almost, uh, would be most all time by 54 completions. Fun number. Um, and Cousins is on pace for 51 passing touchdowns, which would be second all-time, only behind Peyton Manning. But he still lost to us. So he's still, okay. and their team's still 0-2. They're, still, <laughs> they're still 0-2. They're 0-2, the which is crazy to me. Um, but so the waiver wire is coming up, and there's going to be a lot of people. I'll run through this real quick because I do want to get into the the other games coming yes. up for next week. Um, there, so for people for waiver wire, I would highly recommend if you can. That, that probably isn't likely. Jerome Ford, he's rostered in seventy-seven percent of leagues. Uh, Matt Breida, who because Sa- Saquon Barkley went out with an injury, he's right. uh, they're saying he's actually only day to day could possibly play, but we'll see because he had to get helped off the field. He's very upset, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But Matt Breida's only rostered in thirty-three percent of leagues. Um, I would also say Tony Jones running back for New Orleans because Kamara's still suspended. Kendry Miller, we don't know what's happening. And Jamal Williams went out. And Tony Jones, I would say he's the lowest running back to look look for, but he put up two touchdowns, so that's def- he's a touchdown-dependent man. Um, so I'd highly recommend that. And then if you can, Zach Moss, he's rostered in 86% of leagues. Um, but he, after the, the usage for him and how much um, he's put up, he looks really good, so... Um, last but not least, Craig Reynolds. It's the running back I was saying once David Montgomery went out. Yeah. Buck Gibbs would do this. Gave it to Craig uh, Reynolds. What people are thinking now is that Craig Reynolds is going to take the Montgomery role, which would be very intriguing, and he's only rostered in 4% of leagues. So I would highly recommend looking into getting him as well. So the, most of the waiver wires is going to be a lot of uh, running backs just because right now a lot of injuries to running backs. Running backs are very scarce um, this time of year, um, even with everything going on with contracts and stuff like that. So, highly recommend getting you 
one of Jerome Ford, Matt Brina, uh, Tony Jones, uh, if you can, Zach Moss, that'll probably be a trade, um, or Craig Reynolds. Um, now we are going to move on to uh, Thursday night football. We got the Giants versus San Francisco. We do. Bill, what do you think happens? Uh, San Francisco wins by a lot. I also agree. <laughs> so this is Caesar Sportsbook. The line's minus 10 uh, for San Francisco. Yeah. And the over-under is only 44 and a half. So I'm actually... Yeah, it's, it's, the spread is 10. Over-under is 44. I'd take the spread, though. Uh, yeah, I'd probably take the spread, too. Even though the Giants came back, it was the Cardinals. Yeah. And Dallas, who, they're definitely a, a, a very good team right now. They're a contender, and they're hot. Like Dallas just has a soft schedule right Well, now. they faced the Jets of no Aaron Rodgers or Zach Wilson. They faced soft. the Giants, who, you know, soft, pretty soft. But at the same time, that Dallas team is pretty good. I still think San Francisco's defense is significantly better. I would either go the spread or the under. I would take the, the spread. The only time the over gets hit is if uh, 49ers score go more. Yeah. Score more. Well, they um, may score 30-something points, and the Giants may score, you know, 10. Yeah, you never know. Um, I'd actually, for any time touchdown scores, I would look for Daniel Jones. That's a good move. Plus 250. It's not too bad. Um, looking at the rest of them, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, they're all plus 190, plus 110, and then Christian McCaffrey is minus 290. Actually, a sneaky one, because um, they're, they're, uh, San Francisco's uh, coach said that he's actually a little concerned with how much he's using McCaffrey. He's the hot hand. He's been producing a lot, but he doesn't want to overuse him. Yeah. So they're going to start like making sure that he's not used as much. So the production will still be there. But he's going to get a lot of breaks. And Elijah Mitchell, who's the, the RB2 backup, who's also a stud, plus 260. So Daniel Jones right or Elijah Mitchell or wouldn't both. be bad. I actually, I'd, I'd probably consider Mitchell, yeah, both, plus 250, plus 260. What is that? So you same gate parlay them, plus $1,119, one $5 bet, $56 to win. That's not bad. That bad. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Giants lose this one. I agree. Moving on to the 1 p.m. slot of Sunday. The game that we chose here to talk about, which I think will be so, is so fun to watch, the Chargers and Minnesota Vikings both 0-2. The battle on who sucks more. The both trash can game. Uh, this is going to be such a high-scoring event. It is. It's going to be a crazy thing. That, or Los Angeles is... Ranked 32 in defense. Yep. And that ain't good. Like but I said, they're the fourth in offense. Yeah, because they scored 50 points Yeah, in and, two games. And you have Kirk Cousins, who, as you just said, is passing like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to take the over on that. The over is 53 and a half. Actually, I would agree with you. The spread, though, is only uh, minus one and a half to the Vikings. I'm not surprised, actually, by that Intriguing. small score game. Or a small spread. That's intriguing. Yeah, but that means that they would have to win by... Yeah, that's interesting. And the money line, it, it, they're so even. Chargers are minus 106, and the Vikings are minus 110. Okay. So this is going to be... I would definitely do the over, though. 100% yeah, I would take the over easily. The over. I feel like that's just, that's just the move. Weirdly enough, they're not giving any... Uh, they may not have them ready yet. Yeah, I don't think they have them ready yet for the touchdown. Yeah, like when it's big games, they usually like Thursday night games. They probably have it ready oh, yeah. earlier. And but we're, we're recording this Tuesday, so. yeah. So I won't worry about it too much. Um, so yeah, I think I think the Chargers pull away. With, actually, 
I don't know. I don't think the charge. I think the Chargers continue their ways of scoring a lot of points and losing, and I think the Vikings get their first win. That's that's fair. And I think what happens too is after this big this big uh, fight, the um, coach is going to have maybe one more game, and if they lose again, he's out. He's out. Yeah. He's out. Hundred percent. He's already he's already snapping at reporters. That's fair. Um, next game that we have uh, that we want to talk about is this. Uh, nope, not not that. Not this. I don't know why that came up there. Um, we actually didn't really want to talk about the four o'clock slots because they were they're pretty ass. It's really just good teams beating up on, on bad teams. Yeah, Panthers and Seahawks, man. Cowboys and Cardinals. Cowboys. We all know who's winning that. Chiefs. Chiefs. We all know who's winning that. Yeah. So um, we are going to move on to the eight twenty game, which is the Steelers and Raiders. Yes. One one each. Yep. We are going to talk about that. I think honestly, for even with uh, Raiders getting smacked by the Bills, if their main issue right now is that their main two wide receivers are hurt. Yeah. The uh, Devonta Adams went out with a concussion last game, and then uh, Jacoby Myers was out uh, from this game with a concussion previously. Um, if they get them both back, I honestly think that uh, I think that the the, the yeah. Raiders take this one. I agree. Right Just, now, too, keep this in mind. Passing wise, they're pretty close. They're 18th and tw- 18th for the Steelers, 21st for the Raiders. Oh but their God. defense is shit, though, for the Raiders being 30th. Yeah. I'm sorry. For the Steelers, Steelers have 30th. Defense for the Raiders is 23rd. So defense isn't even that good even over there, too. No. So it's still a battle of the suck, but again, well, so the, it's going to th- be better, though. The thing that's interesting with that is, though, uh, the Steelers are only 18th, but realistically that's because of their first round, right? first game route from the uh, 49ers. Correct. So I wouldn't fully agree with that just yet. Yeah. I would agree with the rest of that for the Raiders, but they just look their offense looks more in rhythm when they have the two main guys out there than Steelers. Uh, Pickett just doesn't look good. Like he's he definitely can can right the ship, but right now he just looks off. Um, so I'm looking in, I'm looking for honestly the the Raiders to take that. They're minus one thirty two. Spreads minus two and a half, and the over under is forty three. Honestly, I I probably wouldn't even touch this one. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch this one at all. Nope. Um, and then last but not least. The big one. We got the big one, which scares the hell out of me. And yeah, you know I, why. Was this the one I said that we were going to potentially lose on? I forget. Uh, Do we have that anywhere? No, I don't. Well, we have that in, in the podcast. But I'll, I, I we think. We write it out. I said. We didn't write it out. Damn it. You think, you think we're that ahead no. of the game? I don't think it was this one. I think it was the next one. Um but I, I forget the exact schedule. But yeah. but regardless, this one's actually going to be this one's going to be rough. It is. This is going to um, be our real first test because we Bradbury's actually looking good to to make it on track. Yeah. Um. So he's he's looking there. I haven't heard anything about Blankenship. Um. And then Gamewell's also looking kind of on track, but still up in the air. Vontae Maddox is looking to be out with a torn um, pectoral muscle, and he's looking to uh not be back the rest of the season, which you know kind of um. That that's kind of a rough hit, but yeah. hopefully we have uh, Eli Ricks, who was fantastic in preseason. I hope he plays a little bit instead of us just signing a CB and, and moving on. Um, our saving grace, though, is that Carlton Davis is hurt for yeah. the Buccaneers. He's questionable too, so we'll see what happens there. But I still think we take this one. I think it's another one like the uh, the Patriots, where it's it's, it's close, and I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I think we all um, agree. Ooh, Excuse I think we're you. We're all agreeing on it's, that. It's almost about that time. Yeah, I know it is. Grandpa needs to go to bed soon. Yeah. Um, I think that we commit to the run, whether it's with Gamewell or Swift or whatever. But I think we commit a little bit more to that. 
to start doing vertical passes. Because um, thankfully, it's it's a night game too, so it won't be as you know, yeah, as hot. Fortunately, looking like thunder maybe a little bit. So we'll see if they can get that game oh, in dirty. without any uh, delays. Yeah, and it's it's early. It's a seven fifteen game. So all right, good. Looking like we'll be going out for that. No, I'm making food that day. You're making food. Making ribs. You're not going to bed tonight. Um, so the spread is <laughs> minus 5.5 for the Eagles. Um, they're also minus 215. Honestly, with this, I know we don't have the bets up right now. I would say, realistically, I'd probably hit them with like a Rashad White. Um, or maybe if they have a Sean Tucker there, I'd, I'd throw any touchdown bet there. Yeah. Um, Eagles, it really depends what they give the odds for. Because even though I'm thinking like Kenny Gamo or Swift, the only thing I think of is like a plus one something, which most of the time I'm looking for plus two and up for like good value. Yeah. So look look towards our, our Twitter for, for that kind of stuff. Um, I'll definitely send out some, some good stuff uh, either Sunday morning and then uh, Monday as well. But I think, I think that's all we got for you. Yeah. Well, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think uh, – yeah, I didn't ask you this. Do you think Eagles pull it off? I think they do. I think it's going to be close. I think I'm going to be clenching the entire time. Actually, I want you to read their defense right now. Wait, the Bucks were that good? Yeah. I watched them. They're that, that's the a, that's are, a, that's the thing with two games with yeah, these types it's still of stuff. Variable. Um, exactly. Because yeah, it says the Eagles are twenty sixth in defense. But I will say Baker Mayfield is really good. Yeah, he is. He's on a roll right now. What's he, he actually said too. He was like, "The team coming in is a really good team, and if we if we make the small mistakes like we did before, we're not going to win." Which is kind of percent passing rate. 490 yards, three yeah. touchdown passes. Whereas we had 71% for Jalen Hurts, but only 363 yards. Yeah, that, that one interception was more just yeah. like a punt when we were at but, the uh, game. He was just, just looking like back. the passing yards, like we don't pass as much as them. We do rush more, but it's just it, we, we're more of a rushing team. Yeah, I think that's how we win. Yeah, I, I think agree. I think rushing, then, then going vertical with it. But um, remember – because I'm going to be sending out some stuff for, you know, some some any touchdown prop bets. So please make sure that you follow us on Twitter at AB Sports Media. And then also reach out to us on our email, BillAndAJMedia at gmail.com. Once again, my name's AJ. And I'm Bill. And thank you for listening. Get the hell out of here. Grandpa needs to go to bed. Listen to him smoke. Bye. Gambling has become a problem for you or for someone you know, please call 1-800-GAMBLER to seek free, confidential, 24-7 problem gambling assistance. You can also text SUPPORT to 533-42 to get more information about problem gambling behavior.